Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. So today we're going to be talking about oneness in marriage and some things that we can do to work towards it. But before we do that, I think it's really important that we lay a groundwork as to why is oneness in marriage important. And so Genesis 2, 24 says this, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so we see two lives becoming one in this moment. And, you know, right before this passage, we have the creation account. And so God created Adam, and there was not a helper that he found suitable for himself. So God creates Eve from Adam, and when Adam sees her, he rejoices at her. And so from this, we get the conviction that God has created marriage between one man and one woman and that it is holy. But God created marriage for a purpose as well. Yes, for joy. Yes, for, um, for companionship. But more importantly, it's to carry out God's will together. And so even though they are different, they are equals and they are a team. Yeah, so let's dive into some ways of how we can achieve oneness in marriage If you're a note taker like me, um, number one is sacrifice. When we think of sacrifice, often it's this like intense biblical thing with an offering and there might be fire and then there's like, you know, an animal or in Abram's case, there's a human, Isaac, thank goodness he didn't go through with it. So um, I'm going to warn you, we're not going to be laying our spouses on an altar for slaughter today. Um, (laughs) Thank goodness. I know if you were looking forward to it, sorry, that's not what this is about. Not today. Not today, not ever. Um, (laughs) But we are saying, I'm giving up something good so that God can make it great. That's right. And Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Yeah, and this is where we get that idea of dying to self. And I like the way in Philippians 2, 3 to 4, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And I think that the key portion for us to grasp hold of here is not looking to our own interests. So in marriage, I mean, let's be real. It's very difficult to not be selfish. I think we're selfish by nature, but then throw in all the, you know, all the confusing and complicated parts of life. You know, by the time you get home from work or whatever that might look like for you, sometimes it's hard to have just enough energy to really care for what your spouse, spouse's needs are. And so, you know, it, it gets difficult to manage those tensions day to day. But really, like marriage is an opportunity for us to take the focus off of ourselves and to elevate our perspective and care for the needs of our spouse. And I love this C.S. Lewis quote. He says, it's not about thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So you choose to care for the needs of your spouse rather than needing to be the one who's constantly served. And so it's a mindset shift. It's it's from how can I contribute rather than how can I withdraw? Mm -hmm. And so obviously there's going to be balance in this, but like the, the test is what's the posture of your heart? as you're doing this. So I know that for many of us, that is an area of struggle in our marriages is how can we continue just to meet the needs of our spouse? And over the last few weeks, pastors, we've talked about the five love languages. And if you're not familiar with that, that concept, it comes from the book, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And the premise of the book is this. It says, we all give and receive love differently. So in our relationship, 
if we are trying to give love our way, but our, our spouse is complete opposite, it's not going to be, it's not really going to be reciprocated. We're going right. to, we're going to have a lot of frustration yeah. because of that. And so a big area in marriage though, where this does come into play is a husband and wife's sex life. And so this is an area also where we die to self, where we die to some preferences and where we can serve our spouse. Absolutely. You know, and we are, as a church, are not going to shy away from the topic of sex. And if you're uncomfortable today, I get to preach this in front of my parents. That's right. um, You have no excuse. And my in-laws. Yeah, seriously. But you know what? I'm not afraid to say it. We have a great sex life. Is my face flushed? Yeah, it is a little bit, but it's fine because you know what? This is is a good thing in the church. We need to talk about these things. This has to be addressed. Um, So I think it's important for men to recognize that that in sex, it starts outside of the bedroom for the woman. And they want to be desired before heading into the bedroom. Intimacy is more than just about that singular moment. It's about everything leading up to the moment. And women need relational stimulation. You know, a woman's sex drive is typically more periodic than her husband's. And so that can be an area that's, you know, a little bit dicey. It may be mismatched. And so um, women need love and affection to feel excitement about sex with their husbands. You know, this area can be an area of sacrifice in marriage. Perhaps we sit down and we discuss, you know, how can you meet my needs and how can I meet your needs? Because understanding how your spouse works, your spouse's needs and desires allows us to have better, to better love them and ultimately love them sacrificially. Yeah. And as men, there, there are differences for us, you know, as men, we're more visual. So in our mind, sex leads to intimacy where if I'm correct for a woman, intimacy then leads to sex. And so our on-ramp is much shorter (laughs) to get there. And so, because we compartmentalize so much of life, you know, it's easier to go from say a day-to-day task to being ready to go to the bedroom. You know, we can finish dinner and Hey, we're ready to go, whatever that might be. (laughs) But it took me a few years to realize that there was a difference there and that it wasn't just something that was like, Oh, Hey, we're incompatible or there's something wrong. We're broken. It was just, there's a difference. And so we needed to be able to recognize that. And so for her, sex is not compartmentalized into a box, but actually it's tied into the whole of life. And so this is not something that we are still perfect at or that we've arrived at, but it's something that we're working to understand each other better day by day So that way I can, one, love her better. I can be a better husband. But most importantly, that I can be a better teammate in our marriage. Yeah, so good. You know, sex is a great way to demonstrate sacrifice to your spouse. I think it's important to mention here, though, that having fun with sex is not an area to be sacrificed in. Can I get an amen? Um, Only like five of you. That's fine. Um, Okay, so let's dive a little deeper into this. You know, sex within the confines of marriage should not be boring or just another task or, you know, even this misconception that sex is only for procreation. No, Um, uh, I lost my place because I'm so excited. Um, I would encourage you to talk with your spouse about ways to make sex fun, exciting, and new. I think that the best advice that I've been given in regards to sex is that as long as you are both in agreement, it's within the walls of marriage and no one's getting hurt, anything goes. So spice it up. Come on, like explore your spouse, keep it fresh. 
Don't be ashamed to enjoy sex because God created sex to be enjoyed. If you don't believe me, you need to go read Song of Solomon. It'll spice things up for you, I promise. Like, it's not boring. That's right. Well, and so whether we're talking about sex or we're talking about another aspect of serving your spouse, really the goal for us is to continue just to work to be better. I think that's really the aim is how can we be better? And so maybe today you are that spouse that is very sacrificial and you're loving and you're, and you're, maybe you're the one that feels like you're putting in a little bit more in your marriage, but can I just like pause for a second and just say, hey, beware of a pitfall because I think that the temptation for us is, is that we're willing to go out of our way to serve our family, to serve our spouse, but at the same time, don't be willing to go out of your way to hold it over their head. I think that that can be a real issue. You know, at times for me, this has been a struggle in our life We've made real sacrifices to be able to do the things that we're doing today, but also to do the things that we believe God is calling us to in the future. And so at times it's been very difficult, but in seasons when I've perceived, perceived that my sacrifice was greater than hers, I would hold that against her. And can I say that that's not fair because that's not even the heart of a sacrifice. The heart of a sacrifice is this, is that you are doing it selflessly. You are dying to self. And, and for us, you know, we need to make sure that our sacrifice is not really us just giving our spouse a loan and then expecting them to pay it back with interest. Okay. We have to be careful of that because that's a real temptation. So when we can get sacrifice right, when we can get it in its right perspective, we see how much it aids our relationship together. Yeah. And another way for us to pursue oneness, though, is through our priorities together. So our priorities, whether they're conscious or unconscious, determine what is most important to us. So often we may say something is a priority, but do our lives actually show it? Yeah. In Matthew six thirty three says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So what we see is that God has asked us to place him at the top of the priority list, that seeking him and his kingdom, the establishment of his kingdom is so vitally important. And so if that is our priority, our lives really should be structured in this way. And it goes, God first, spouse, kids, and then work. But I don't know that for many of us, that's really how our lives look. I mean, because that's not what, how life calls out demands of us. If we were to speak of how our current culture and, and life demands now, it would be work, kids, spouse, and then if there's anything left, maybe God. But can I tell you, that's, that's not God's will for our life. That is not God's priorities for us and for our marriage. And can I say, I think the only way that we can begin to correct this is to simply slow down. I think that we could benefit so much in our culture just by slowing down. I heard a pastor once say that the great enemy of holiness is, is just that speed of life. The great enemy of holiness is busyness. And so we need to slow down our lives. Our schedules right now are overcrowded and it's very easy for us to misprioritize our lives. And, and really, we just say yes to so much. But if we could slow down, we could filter through it, I believe we could make better life decisions. Yeah, and 
And in those better life decisions, we have to be intentional to carve out space in our schedules for our spouse. I'm going to be very transparent here. Um, this is an area that Ben and I need to work on. It's, it's a difficult season of our lives right yeah. now. You know, we're trying to get the Clearbrook campus back off the ground. Um, I'm in nursing school, so that just adds another <laughs> layer to things. So our schedules are nuts right now. Um, but we've hustled in our lives, but you know what? It's come at a cost, and I'm sure many of you feel that as well. The reality is you have what you prioritize, so you have to date your spouse. You have to make your marriage a priority. Right. And I think some people get it in their heads that once they're married, ugh, all that goes away. You don't have no. to date. You don't have to romance. <laughs> you don't have to woo. That is so wrong. That's right. No, I would even, I mean, this may be controversial, but I would even say it's more important to date when you're married than it is to date when you're single. That's absolutely You have right. to date your spouse. This is, this, you have to make sure that they know you're a priority to me. Yeah. I'm making this happen. And so, you know, much like every other staff member, we have a date night once a week. You know, we haven't been so great at this, and this is an area I want accountability in. So make sure, check on us, make sure we're getting our weekly date night in. But we make this a priority because we want to say, I want to connect back with you. Yeah. And so don't just let these become stagnant either. Don't just let it be another thing on your calendar that adds to the busyness of life. Make it fun. Make it, you know, steamy, whatever. I don't know. I love the popsicle idea that Ryan and Sarah had um, a couple weeks back. But um, maybe choose to do something that your spouse enjoys that maybe you don't so much enjoy. I mean, I don't love going to the gym Maybe once nursing school's over, we could do like a gym date. I don't know. I'd be about it. I'm, you just got to take it easy on me. Okay. I'm like so out of shape. It's not even funny. Maybe we'll go axe throwing. Oh, yes. I want to go axe throwing. Let's do that. Okay, <laughs> let's make that happen. Um, so like I said, you have to make these dates a priority. Yeah, and I, but I think the only way that you can begin to carve it out as a priority is by doing what is our third point, which is communication. You know, as the saying goes, communication is key and if we cannot effectively communicate as in our relationship, we're going to have so many pitfalls. We're going to, have, we're going to be so frustrated because we're not going to be on the same page. And really, for us, that is just a recipe for disaster. But if we can get it right, we can spare ourselves a lot of those fights and a lot of those arguments. And there's a, a helpful little tool that has assisted us, and we didn't originate it. It's from Pastor Michael Todd. And, it, and it, the term is hot communication, and it stands for this, that, that our communication will be honest, open, and transparent. Yeah, it's so good, and I love that. You have to have communication that is honest, open, and transparent, right. because if not, what are you doing? Yeah. So um, let me just do a sidebar where all my singles in the house say, hey. Okay, wait, wait, no, no, no. Some of y'all put your hands down way too fast. Keep those hands up. This is your shot. Look around. Say, hmm, I'd like to get your number. <laughs> hey, hi. How you doing? Let's go on a date. Okay, anyways, um, let me just say, I just want to focus on you guys for a second. I have seen um, so many times how singles are so willing to engage in sexual intimacy, but they are terrified to have emotional intimacy and vulnerability. And sometimes they believe that being emotionally naked is more scary and, and too much than actually being naked with someone 
Sharing your body should be scarier and more intimidating than sharing your heart every time because sharing your body outside of marriage creates emotional baggage that you will carry for the rest of your life. Let me tell you, it doesn't just go away because you're married. It's true. Speaking from experience, you know. Um, And parents, this is where you can talk to your children. You can be preemptive about this. You can say, hey, it's important to be pure. And then explain the sexual soul ties that can happen when we engage in sex outside of marriage. That's right. And I would, I would just say, like, dating is such a good practice run in communication for marriage. You practice expressing your feelings. You practice sharing your struggles. Because then it prepares you in the future when you do meet your spouse. If that person is your spouse, great. But when you meet your spouse, that you can have that openness, you can be honest, and you can be transparent with them. Yeah, and I, I just don't think that that comes naturally. I think yeah. that we have to actually work at it, and you're not going to be perfect when you get married either. Yeah, you're going to have to keep working at it. But I want to encourage our spouses that through communication, we should be able to share anything and everything. That's really like, you're really putting your heart out on the line sometimes, and it's very hard. And I would say, especially for us guys, can I just encourage us guys that I think we're so reserved with our emotions often because we're not really sure what we're feeling. Anyone else feel that? Or is that just me? Because a lot of times I feel like my emotions are about as broad as happy, sad, angry, and hungry. And one of those is not an emotion. And that's just, but that's oftentimes where I'm at. And so, you know, but when we sit down and we're having an emotional discussion, I found that it actually takes me time to really put my thumb on what I'm feeling. But as you've sat with me and we've worked through it, it, it I, I can start peeling back some layers and I could say, oh yeah, like, oh, there is a little bit more complexity to this. Or, you know, I'm feeling this way about it and this is why. And that's been so good for me. Um, but Ultimately, I feel like you and I feel more connected when I'm willing to go through that vulnerable process with you. Absolutely, yeah. And so what I've learned, though, is that you're wanting to understand my world, and you want to know how I think. And so in addition to that, though, you're wanting me to share my struggles with you. And so as guys, this isn't a free pass for us just to come home from work and complain every day, but rather it's an opportunity for us to say, hey, this is a real thing that I'm struggling with. And it's, that hasn't been easy. And, you know, that's been something even in the last couple of years that we've begun getting better at. But it's, it was more me learning, oh, I can trust her with my baggage. And so I think really this goes back to being able to share anything with one another. And if you are married, it's likely that in your vows you said, um, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. And, you know, personally, I'm a perfectionist and I hate making mistakes if I'm being honest. So at many times it's very difficult for me to admit that I've made a mistake because to her, I want to keep up this appearance that I am competent at all times. But if I do that, what I do is I rob her of the opportunity to both love me in both my sickness and at my worst. So I rob her of that opportunity and the opportunity to build trust because here's what I've learned through it all is that she does not need me to be perfect but she needs me to be present and especially emotionally present. Yeah. Share your emotions with your spouse. You know, you're my best friend. I want to share everything with you. Oh, you're my best friend too. So cute. (laughs) Um, But yeah, share your struggles, share your emotions, share your fears. 
share your dreams. This yeah. is an area I love just sitting down and dreaming. Sometimes I can just like head in the clouds. And, yeah, we did you know. the other day on our date night. Yeah, we so. did. We just sat down and we said, well, what, what's a dream in your life? And, you know, it, it helps to make those dreams a reality. Mm-hmm. helps to know what your spouse desires. And so um, what we can sit down and we can say, what are our dreams and goals together? Yeah. What are they individually and what are they as a family? So I would say, so for Ben and I, one of our dreams, and I'm sure that the Clearbrook campus would agree, is we want a permanent location for our Clearbrook campus. That's right. And so, you know, I I have a feeling somebody in this room has connections that we could make this happen because we really would love to start meeting on Sunday mornings again. We miss this. And it's important for our Clearbrook campus to get back to this. Yeah. And And next Sunday for us celebrates two years being open as a campus. Yeah. Yes. So that's that's super exciting. exciting. How did that happen? I, like, I don't know. <laughs> where did two years go? I'm telling exactly right. you. So that's, that's a dream that we've shared with not only between us, but we've shared with our campus and we're sharing it with you guys as well. So partner in that dream with us. Make that a reality with us. Let's build this campus. Yeah, build it and they will come. <laughs> um, okay. Um, another dream that Ben and I have is we want to become parents in the future. You yeah. know, whenever that happens, we're, that, that's a dream for us. Um, and then just individually for me, I have a dream to become a pediatric nurse. This yeah. is where my heart is. This is where my calling is. You're almost is. there too. I am. I am. I just need a job. So if you can help <laughs> me with that, that's what I need to. Um, but I would say another area of communication that I think is important as a single person to focus on, and I'm sure all the marrieds would agree, is sharing your values with your spouse. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Yeah, and as a spouse, you really have to have shared beliefs and values. And this does obviously means like we don't agree on everything all the time. But it's even more so important that you do have those shared beliefs and values and that you talk about them, that you communicate them. Because ultimately, whatever we believe determines what we're going to do as a family. So we have to sit and we have to talk about those things. But, you know, even for singles, if you're looking to get in a relationship or you're in a relationship, you need to have these conversations as well, especially if you think that this person is your future spouse, because, you know, you have to have some shared values. And can I say, if you're a Christian in the room and you're dating, that person needs to be a Christian. Can I just say that? Because if Christ is the number one priority in your life and they are not, you're going to have tension from day one. And as much as we love to believe that we can change people and, you know, we pray for that, we do. We we see instances of that in the Bible, but it's not always common that that person will change and cater to our preferences and some of those things. And so, you know, in your relationships, there are going to be some things that you can compromise on, but even more so, you need to know what are your non-negotiables. Absolutely. And I'll just say, kind of from personal experience, um, I had dated in the past, and Ben and I met what? really young. I know, I know, I'm so <laughs> sorry. But Ben and I met really young. I met him when I was 17, and so I was, I was journaling one day, and I put in, like, okay, this is my dream guy. And so, like, I put, like, you know, that he'll be, he'll have dark hair and blah, blah, blah. But also, I put in those values. What was that last one? Dark, dark hair. Oh, okay. What did, yeah. I thought you said... Something? No, it's okay. What? Keep going. I'm okay. Now you're making me nervous. I said something. <laughs> um, anyways, that, um, but 
those values. I, I wanted those values in, in place. And I can tell you, God provided with him. He checked every single one of those boxes for me. So get an idea of what you want in your future spouse and give that to God because I promise he, he wants to give that to you as well. That's right. So the fourth and final way that we can achieve oneness in marriage is spiritually. As Ben just talked about, it's key that as believers, we are sharing our faith with our spouse. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We are better in our marriage, and we are stronger in our marriage with God as the center. That's right. We need to be connecting with God together. And so some really practical ways that we can do this are we should attend church together. Yes. We should worship alongside of each other, and we should worship with our families as well. That's right. And so um, I just want to take a moment here that if you are here and you're here alone and your spouse is not with you, I just want to say we are praying for you. Don't give up. Don't give up hope. Don't, don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking after their um, coming to know Christ, you know. That's right. Um, but I, I would also say pray for your spouse. That leads into a really good thing is pray for your spouse. Pray what you want to see out of your spouse. Yeah. And pray with your spouse. I can tell you there is nothing more humbling than when your spouse is praying for you. And um, lastly, we need to be reading the word of God together. We need to be discussing, hey, what are you getting from this? Make that a priority because it's important. Yeah, and, you know, this is, I think, is a challenge for a lot of us guys, but there's one passage that always kind of brings me back to center on this, and it's Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And this passage, it's really filled with so much imagery, and I love it because what the imagery is, it's the preparation of a bride on her wedding day. And so many of you ladies, maybe you remember back to how much preparation you put into that day. Not just that day, the Pinteresting before, all those other things, but then even, yeah, even that day, how long it took to get ready or, you know, all the care and the time you put into it. And this, what is being said here is Christ is showing us, look, I've put that same care into you and into the love and the sacrifice that I'm making for my church. But in this passage, Christ is also speaking to us husbands and he's saying, yes, I have prepared the church, but husband, father, man of the house, what I need you to do is to join me in this preparation so you can be the spiritual leader of your home and you can guide your family in my ways. So men, we are called to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. You know, and oftentimes I've, you know, there's wives that have talked with us where, you know, maybe the husband is not the spiritual leader in the home. But can I tell you in every instance, the, the wife wants the husband to step up and lead in this area. And so leading in your home, it can be scary. Yes, there are some things, you know, a lot of times us guys, we deal with, you know, that self-confidence. Can we really do it? But can I just give you some few tips in this you do not, you're not the great manager of your home or you're not have to be the loudest voice in the home. But being the leader of your home means through your love and through your actions, you are inspiring your family to love Christ deeper. And I could just encourage you, if you are frustrated today because you're not seeing that level of spirituality out of your family, 
take a moment today and just reflect and see, are they seeing that same level of spirituality out of you? Because by experience, guys, your wife, your kids, they are not going to lead, they're not going to be led somewhere that you're not willing to first go yourself. And so here's just four little quick tips is that when you are leading your home, don't be overbearing. Don't be a know-it-all. No one loves a know-it-all. Be a force of spiritual encouragement. And lastly, be willing to help the family course correct when things are not going the way they should. Because let's be real, we are all imperfect people trying to follow a perfect God today. And so we will get off the straight and narrow. And as husbands and you know, leaders of the home, we will too. But it's an opportunity for us to say, you know what, that's where we were going. We're not going there anymore. Let's, let's, let's bring this thing back. And so I just wanna leave you with an encouragement on that, that you got this. God would not call you to be the leader of your home. He would not have put it in his word if he had all, not already put the right stuff inside of you that you could do it. You can do it today. And so you are not gonna do it perfectly, but can I tell you, you will do it well. You got this today. Yeah, so good. Now let me just speak to the wives for a second. Ephesians 5, through 24 says, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should you submit to your husbands in everything. Now, I know that this passage of scripture can kind of stir up a lot in us and, you know, we'll get the groans and grimaces and the eye rolls, but let me just break it down for you for a second. I know that this word submission has a negative connotation to it, but um, here, this word submission is not out of tyranny or force, but rather it's of trust, humility, and respect because the love that Jesus is talking about, the husband is to display to his wife is an agape love. This is the same love that, the, that Christ has for us. It's selfless. Also submission to your husband, it's a form of worship. And when we submit to our husbands, recognizing that he is the head of the home, we're being obedient not only to our husbands, but we're being obedient to God as well. And lastly, let me tell you, it takes strength to submit. So many times I feel like I need to be the one to assert my power. or He's not doing a good enough job of leading. You know, he's not perfect. And it takes so much more self-control, so much more strength to submit in those times than it does to give in to that fleshly desire to overpower them. Yeah, and I want to thank you for that, you know, because... Um, I love you. You are a very strong-willed person and that's not a joke, but, but a lot of times her strength inspires me to be stronger and her willingness to submit in times when maybe I, you know, there's times where us guys, we're not people that are worth submitting to. But can I tell you in that, in those moments, it is the, sometimes just enough encouragement that the man needs to say, you know what, I can do this. If, if my wife loves me in this way, I can step up. I can lead in this way. I can be more selfless. And, and I appreciate that, you know, and you've done, you've done a great job with that. We're not perfect, but, um, but it gives me the confidence and the courage to stand up and to give it my best every single day. And so as we get ready to close, I, I just, I hope one of the things that you got from this and from the series is that 
we're all in process. I'm not sure that we, any of us perfect any of this on this side of heaven, you know, but, the, but really the goal for us is to continue to show up, to put in the hard work and to not give up on this thing. Because can I tell you that, uh, that marriage and a healthy marriage is something that's worth the work and it's worth fighting for? Can I tell you that today? Because yeah, it, the last seven years were not easy, but I wouldn't take a single day of any of that back because we've learned so much together. And in these days right now, if you are looking to do marriage any other way than God's way, can I just say that's probably your first pitfall because we're moving into today's where marriage is under attack. That's the truth. And that it is looking to be redefined. And so even right now as pastors, we, we get like, we get some of the first scoop on some things that are happening in our country. And even this week, learning of legislation that's coming through that could potentially hit us before too long, that defining marriage only as one man and one woman would be hate speech. And that is, is punishable by law. And so in these days, it is important for us to fight for God's plan and to speak the truth in love. And when there's people that disagree with us, speak the truth with a tear in your eye, with compassion in your heart, because we do have the truth and we should not be afraid of it. But I think the thing that it will be the biggest testament to the world is that they see healthy marriages in us first. The world today needs healthy Christian marriages. Will you pray with me today? God, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we've come into this place just because we want to hear from you. God, we want to have have had an experience with you today. And God, I ask that you wouldn't let any one of us have left this place without having been touched by your spirit today, God. Lord, we need you in these days. Lord, that when we have to stand up for the truth and that we will have to be okay with being misunderstood, God, that you will give us a strength and the backbone to do so, God, because it's worth it and because your kingdom is worth fighting for, God. And so, Lord, we love you. I I ask that you would bless the marriages in this room and you would bless the future spouses of those who are not married yet, God. And Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit on us in these days, God. Lord, just as we sought your face for revival in our churches, God, revive our marriages, revive our love. God, if we came into this this place without that, that spark in the fireplace of our home, God, I ask that you would speak into that today, that you would rekindle our love not only for you, but for our spouse today, God, Lord, that you would do something mighty in these moments, Lord. And we're believing you for that because God, we know that it's only through you, only you can change our heart. And God, we thank you for the works that you do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen, amen. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.